Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another rousing episode of Content Content Late Night Edition. It's 7... Oh, it's 8 p.m., even later. Fantastic. Now, uh, Michael Shot Gomez has taken the week to commune with the woods, but the Content Content faithful will recognize our guest this evening. Please welcome back to the show, Ben Tomasetti. Ben, thank you for coming on the program this evening. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Good, sir. Um, And thank you again, Ben, for uh, this is, of course, your second time on the show. Um, Yeah, we talked during like the middle of quarantine um, when, as we were just mentioning, you know, it was like, Wash down the groceries before you leave. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, every leave them. mask on top of mask on top of mask. Uh, we were on the front lines down here. You know, mm-hmm. when for uh, sure my, my parents saw the footage of you know hospitals and all this stuff and the sixty minutes interview of everything. Uh, isn't it bizarre that that's kind of in the? I mean, it's kind of in the past now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely bizarre because it felt like at an arm's length almost, you know what I'm saying? Like I had relatives reaching out around that time that were like, are you okay? Are you like, (laughs) do you know anybody? Um, And yes, I I did know a few people who, who got it or unfortunately who passed away, but it was, I was in my apartment completely shut in you know what i mean i think a lot of us were yes. so it's like I, i'm seeing this stuff too and to me it's also news and it's also like traumatizing to to see it but when they're reaching out i'm like oh yeah i'm right here i'm right <laughs> where it's happening I'm at the epicenter of it <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean it definitely it's this weird feeling of relief and a little bit of like what's next anxiety type of thing that we're, pa- we're moving past it to like what's next. And I'm excited, but I'm also kind of like, I don't know if I can, you know, you have conversations with people and they don't go the way they used to go. <laughs> so I know it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've been good. You know, like small talk is such a foreign concept to me now. So I don't I know, know what the world's going to be. I know. I think about people that like I, I have not seen since all this started. Mm-hmm. And when I see them again, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> hey, what have you been up to for 18 months? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just guys kind of staying at home, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're the go-to questions, right? Like, how are you? What have you been up to? Like, those we can't really communicate with anymore. I've been so. up to nothing, and I've been awful. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I mean, how about you? I already know you're going to just say the same thing. Because... Say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it's quite strange, good sir. Um, so, so many things I want to chat with you about, Ben. Um but uh, yeah, my first question, the first question we always have on the Wednesday night show, and I'm interested to hear your answer to this, which is that um, what is your particular, Ben, uh, like spiritual or religious background? Sure. Um, well, I actually grew up completely without religion. Like my parents, neither one of them were religious. We never went to church. Um I actually can't get a straight answer if I was confirmed or baptized or any of that stuff. I know it wasn't confirmed. Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, but, you know, I, I grew up with enough friends where you'd have sleepovers Saturday night and Sunday they'd bring you to church. So I know about church, yes. but I would be the kid that's standing there like, ha, ma, ha, na, ma, ha, ma, 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 That was me too, yeah. Making, yeah. So, <laughs> so no particular religious background. I do always, I have felt spiritual in different ways throughout my life, and that's taken shape a few different ways. Like when I was young, I don't think I really contemplated it too much because I didn't really have the context or the education or the, you know, the convenience of going to church every week or anything like that um, to really think about it. But then once I started becoming a teenager, I think a lot of, you know, soul searching happens once you hit a certain age. And so you start thinking, what does it all mean? What is and I kind of started delving into a little bit of sort of Eastern spirituality because I really got into the Beatles. I know that's kind of a weird way to do it, um, but makes you know, sense to me. Yeah, their meditative, you know, period and all that stuff really was interesting to me. So I got into that. Um, and then, you know, I feel like I've vacillated on the spiritual scale throughout my adult life. I do feel spiritual in the way that I think we're all connected and there's energy that connects us. And there are ways in which, you know, things happen that are unexplainable other than some sort of um, other other thing that we can't explain. Um, but I've also been kind of soured on traditional religion throughout like my life because of just kind of seeing the way it's been kind of bastardized in the US and weaponized and the way people use it as a crutch and the way some people take it as an excuse to not better themselves. Well said. You know, so there's definitely a trepidation from me on that end of things to like really dive into it. And I'm also not educated that much on any sort of religion. So I can't like say that I, I know where I stand because if I explored it more, maybe I would have a different answer for you. But right now where it stands, I do feel spiritual in a connection and I, I do kind of feel that sort of energy, like I said, but um, no formal religion other than, you know, dabbling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, man. I think that that is kind of unique to our generation uh, and maybe the, the one ahead of us and the one behind us difficult to define generations in some ways, but like, <laughs> like, uh, we, cause I'm the same way where I went to church a handful of times when I was a kid and like, you know, I have no particular, uh, upbringing in that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm fascinated in talking to, uh, you know, people of, of, of our, our age on this Wednesday show is like that experience is kind of common where we, we grew up, which is just highly abnormal with regard to like whatever modern, uh, human history that we had no formal framework with which to understand like the biggest questions kind of. And yet we still uh, sought answers to those questions um, in whatever ways that we, that we attempted to. Um, and it certainly is true that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult 
we it's also because of the internet and everything like we know too much now mm-hmm. how am i gonna like read uh some some text <laughs> and be like oh my god it's everything it's it's all the answers i found it yeah uh, you know that 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 makes it uh makes it difficult um but when you say like uh this sense of connection um mm-hmm. what does what do, what do you mean by that um if you could you know, that out. Yeah, let me let me um, kind of delve into that a little bit more. So, I'm like a I feel like I'm a sensitive person just in life. So that means sometimes I can pick up on energies people are giving off, even without speaking, even without like having direct uh, you know interaction with a person. So I feel like that comes from somewhere. I feel like there's maybe a scientific explanation of it that certain moods or certain chemicals flowing through you give out different vibrations or you actually set off a certain aura or something like that. But at the same time, I feel like that's what spirituality, that's what the like thing that's hard to explain, the thing that you can't explain, that's where it manifests itself, at least on a like a minutia for me. But I also see it in like a grander scale of, you know, you hear stories about like somebody on the whole other side of the world had, I'm trying to think of an example and I'm bringing it up without an example. So I'm not sure I can really cement this for you, but it's, it's when you hear about people on totally different wavelengths, totally different sides of the world and they find a connection. It's like, well, there's no reasonable explanation for that. And that's something else. And when I say I feel like there's an energy or a connection out there that's spiritual, I think that's what it is. It's it's kind of the things that you pick up from people, from animals, from objects, like that energy that you pick up. And we're all emitting it too. So I think it has to come from somewhere. You know, uh, I totally agree with that. And I think the one of the um, so many of the great paradoxes or the great say dichotomies uh, the biggest science or life questions are put uh, in, in, they're like asking the wrong way like is mm. it nature versus nurture well it's both like what that's not really a, a proper separation necessarily <laughs> yeah it, you know it's commonly held that well is it either science or is it religion which is another one that's like that's like not really that we're probably not parsing those things the proper way. And I think that eventually science and or religion will reach a point wherein those things um, realize that they're seeking the same thing or they, they they are seeking answers to the same kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, have similar answers. Like uh, a lot of the, I think, um, discoveries in quantum physics i'm very fascinated by quantum Mm. physics because that really breaks down newtonian physics and says like a lot of that stuff we used to think probably is actually not true Uh (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm fascinated by this notion that we're all vibrations we're all manifestations of energy and one of Mm. the uh one of the things i think about all the time so like and you of course are a musician uh ben's uh, fantastic new album faces on trees available on all the platforms i've been listening to it it's fucking fantastic um check it out asap um 
that if if it's true, and 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 this is going to be, I'm really going to wade into some faux science, possibly. <laughs> Let's do it. I got my I got my wading boots on. <laughs> like if it's true that we are all vibrations and we have a certain like frequency, so we're all just these kind of wavelengths, like uh, then we all probably have like a certain set of uh, like, I don't want to describe it. Like we all emanate an energy that is a certain like wattage or almost like a certain series of notes. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a concept in quantum physics that's uh, constructive and destructive interference. So like, constructive interference is when you are in the presence of someone or something and they have a very uh, similar vibration to yourself. And so like we, again, according to quantum physics, we emanate like a bit of energy. We actually have like an electrical energy. It's very small that our bodies put out. And um, like when we are in the presence of a person who has a similar frequency as us, we actually increase the amount of energy that we put out. So mm. I think normally it's like 30 millivolts, but you can get up to like 100, 200 millivolts. Wow. So this would be described uh, casually as like good vibes, you know? <laughs> like, you know? But, but destructive interference is when somebody's on like a totally, their frequency is very different from yours. And then your electrical output will actually go down a little bit. So they say that like when your electrical output goes up, they say, uh, you know, like super like athletes and stuff like that who are like very focused mm. and very that your your brain starts to work a little bit faster. Everything starts to fire a little bit faster. You can almost anticipate things before they happen. And so I, I think about that all the time that because mm. isn't it true that sometimes you meet somebody and you're like nice to them? And, and it's cool. And, and maybe like you get to know them over time. And I, mm. I think of that almost as like a tuning that, that happens. Mm -hmm. You're kind of just coming closer. But then there are certain people that you meet in life where you're like, wow, you just feel like, or even like you said, like a place that mm -hmm. you feel this kind of connection. You feel empowered, energized by it. Um, and that is like, I think that kind of, connection and energy that you're talking about yeah no that makes a lot of sense and that's really enlightening to kind of hear the scientific fragments of it and and I they feel, are fragments by the way <laughs> i'm really not a scientist they're fragments once they hit my brain because i won't remember how they connect um <laughs> but that's uh that's really really super interesting because i feel like also, even not in person, like especially now that we're remote, mm. I've started a new job. I've met a lot of new people this way through this thing here, you know, and there's still that wavelength. There's still that, oh, are you bringing me up or bringing me down? Now, is it as intense as it is in person? I mean, it can't be. I don't think there's a way it can be. Right. But that's, yeah, that's definitely a true thing. I feel it all the time. I've, like every interaction I have, I kind of like register, am I on the same wavelength with this person or no? Like whether I'm checking out at like the bodega or <laughs> yeah. I'm like on the train with somebody 
it's just it's weird how how you can be sensitive to that and yeah absolutely you meet somebody at a party and you just end up talking to them all night because you're on the same you're putting out the same energy and then it just peaks and goes to the moon from there Mm -hmm. and that's the same way you can say i don't know why i don't like that person exactly i just just, we talked and i just don't like i can't there's there's no small talk i can't do that with them like (laughs) because with a person that you're sharing energy with you can do the little pleasantries and they still feel kind of nice. And then you can get into the deeper conversation pretty quickly because you're both on the same page where, and that's kind of, I I enjoy that. I'd rather have a deeper conversation with somebody or take it somewhere that is beyond like the weather or how's the family. Although, you know, family is very interesting and important to a lot of people, but like, let's, let's explore, let's talk and explore each other's perspective. And then there's people where it's like, I don't even want to do the small talk. I don't even want to do the pleasantries. I know. <laughs> it's I like, just don't mm. want to do it. I don't want to be involved in it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's something that they've said or done and it's their yes. behavior, but sometimes it's something completely unexplainable. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, it, sometimes it's nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just like in a, in a room with some people and you can just kind of feel like, ah, that, that person's weirded me out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does make me laugh to think that that is an ethereal feeling that's difficult to describe. And yet there might be some science to that. Another thing too, I think is like, if somebody's on such a different wavelength to you, you ever like, especially I feel like this happens in the workplace mm-hmm. where like I have, uh, without getting putting anybody on blast here, it is my boss's boss, and he's a nice dude, but I feel like I cannot have a conversation with this man mm. because whatever I say to him, like, he can't hear me, and, like, whatever oh. he says to me, like, he's not resp- – I can't really get what he's – where he's coming from. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> experience that? Yes, 100%, where you're just talking to the wall. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're saying things to them, hoping that you'll start a discord, you start something, but then shoop, shoop. Oh, you know what? I thought of this completely off topic of whatever you were saying. I'm so involved. And I don't want to like say it's because they're self-involved or because, Mm. but I find a lot of times that can be kind of what's going on. So I, you know, I've, I've had a few people that I've had to deal with that are like that, that I needed to, get past that point with like, if it's your boss's boss, like that's an important person to have and you have to talk to them. You know what I mean? So in that situation, like I found what really helps is if you can kind of feel like it is them being self um, centered, I guess, then do like the date thing where you just ask them questions about themselves. Oh, that's a great move. (laughs) (laughs) And then they open right up and they're like, Ooh, I oh, love talking about as a this matter subject. Of fact, yes, I did live in France for a year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then you can drop in your your hints of whatever important things you wanted to bring up because right. now they're listening to you because you asked them about themselves. Yeah, dude, that's a that's a great point because that's something I try and do a lot in life. Is, um, I try and ask people about themselves or like just ask questions because isn't it the case that like often you ask that one question and then somebody will just kind of like go mm-hmm. about, well actually that's just like my 
And it just makes me think it's a little bit sad that that most of us walk around, myself included. Mm-hmm. Most of us walk around being like, God, I got all these stories to tell. <laughs> Same, know? man. Same, totally. <laughs> and I feel like that's something that I really struggled with in like my 20s was because uh, I was painfully shy when I was a kid. Like the, hiding behind my dad, like at McDonald's or whatever. Like, I don't want to order. I don't, or like even in my adolescence when like we would order food, I'm like, I don't want them to see me. <laughs> Really, for yeah. whatever reason, like I was really anxious and and uh, shy, so oftentimes I didn't think to ask questions about people, hmm. and it wasn't until like you know the, the workforce and also just breaking out of my shell and and going out and playing music and and meeting other bands and actually being interested in the in the people and like what they were doing with their music and stuff, and then I'm like, oh yeah, ask people questions. It's something that I actually have to like consciously think about sometimes is, you know, finding out as much about the other person as I can, mm-hmm. because that's what it's all about, right? Like you want to have a back and forth. You want to get to know people. You want to like, that. I feel like that's how you're fulfilled is, is through perspective. Right. I think so too, man. Yeah. That's a great point. And it's, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I definitely was similar in that I was very shy. And it wasn't until college mm. that I realized like, oh, I can hold a conversation. And like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> wow, this is interesting. Um, and you know what? Another thing that when we're talking about this kind of connection is um, somebody asked me recently, like, uh, what what is it about? performing that you like so much Ooh. or like why why do you keep doing this <laughs> so it's, why do you keep doing this <laughs> um, that's a great way to put it why would you I subject would, yourself to could, that could you just give it up already yeah especially improv like that was the worst one it's like why would you do that why would why? you just go up in front of people in a city where yeah. people are usually pretty harsh right. and just not have anything planned and just talk and you plan nothing you didn't plan anything? No, we planned the zip zop zop ahead of time, but that was about it. Zip. <laughs> zap. Zop. Oh, that's fantastic. It's been too long since I played zip zap zop. Uh, maybe it's a good thing, actually. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but my answer to that question was mm. uh, a sense of connection that, and and I'd like to hear your experiences about this, but like, when you see a really great band or performer, the the band comes out and they start playing and they're putting energy into the audience. And then if it's going well and it's like a good room and it's a fun night and the people really know the band, they feel that and they start to bring that energy back to the band. Mm-hmm. Then the band is like, wow, this is actually like a hot crowd tonight. So they start to give it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then the band's like, wow, they're doing things they don't normally do. Holy shit. And you have this like feedback loop of not just connection like interpersonal, but in like a big, big group of people. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there were specific times where you experienced that, specific concerts where you experienced that. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is one of the this is the question where you ask me and oh i have stories like <laughs> good i i don't want to go too overboard but like i feel Please like do. i've been at so many special shows mm-hmm. i feel like uh, concerts is one of my biggest releases music mm-hmm. live music it's just 
and we saw each other at plenty of those, you know, right. brick concerts in the park. Mm-hmm. And that was like heaven. I know. The thing that, and the thing that really like, I broke down crying when they canceled the brick concerts because of the pandemic. I was so distraught, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I had been to so many great shows, not just there, but even back growing up in Connecticut, um, in, in Manhattan, all over the place where I'm just trying to think of specific examples, like 2019, even winter of, I think it was winter of 2019. I saw, um, Wolfpack and Vampire Weekend at Madison Square Garden within a month of each other. And both were shows that I had never seen people do things that they did. One, Wolfpack is not a huge band. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're like a kind of retro Uh, funk. I think I... I might have been. I I was. I saw them at Madison Square Garden. Also, then you were there. Think, did they did they play multiple nights or were we definitely mm-hmm. there the same night? We were there the same uh, night. So, so cool, you were there, man. So yeah. you know how special of a show that was. Yeah, that was something else, dude. Like they brought their basement furniture to the show because it was so oh, seminal cool. for them. So cool. And just to feel their giddiness. Yeah. It's just right, right here. And then yeah. Vampire Weekend a few weeks later, like I'm a fan, but I'm more of a casual fan of theirs. I, I like kind of some of the aspects of their production that they do. Um, and I do love a lot of their music, but at the concert, it like washed over me like crazy. And they did this thing where they put these bracelets on everyone hmm. that lit up at different moments of the concert. Really? Yes. And Damn. everyone had them. I got these big old bear mitts, so I couldn't actually put it on. So I was waving it around. But um, <laughs> so, but you would look out, and it was not good seats. So I was up in like the two hundreds, looking mm-hmm. down on Madison Square Garden, which actually was the perfect seat for this type of thing because I'm looking out at Madison Square Garden, waves of red and green and purple, and then rainbow, and then everything's going off at once, and. It was just so mind blowing and so cool to see. And I've been to so many shows where the artist just goes, actually says out loud, wow, I really feel different at this show. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, one example was I saw Pearl Jam in Hartford. And oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I've seen them a whole bunch of times. That's like my wow, that's so favorite cool. band growing up. That's why I learned to start playing guitar. I learned like, one of the first things was 10, the whole album I tried to learn, which was, oh, so cool. you know, just pick up a guitar and learn 10. But uh, <laughs> it's a noble, noble effort, certainly. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple down. Um, but so we're, we were seeing the show and it was just one of the most rocking shows. They had such a weird history with Hartford, too, where they had played a show in the 90s that um, there were riots. Hartford is known for having really terrible audiences. Really? Uh, you can ask Dave Chappelle. You can ask. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I don't want to segue or, or sidetrack too much. But <laughs> so they there were riots there, and the police tear gassed everyone really? in Hartford at a Pearl Jam concert. When and was Pearl this? Jam was on st- in the ninety. I don't remember like okay. 1998, 19, or nineteen ninety six or something like that. Wow. And Pearl Jam was like, you know, they're a very uh, uh, social conscious band. They were like saying, no, you don't do that. Like they were actually really legitimately mad at, at the Hartford police for doing that mm. and hearing about that. And um, so they didn't play Hartford. 
for yeah. like 10, 15 years. Damn. So then they came back and they played a show at the same venue. And that was very good. I saw it on my 18th birthday, but that's not the show I'm talking about. Hmm. There was a show at the Civic Center, that now XL Center, that they were playing. And it was just one of those shows where they were just hitting a new peak every song. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, and have you ever seen them live? No, I would like to. They play such a long show. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, my knees at, at some points. And uh, how are they doing it? They're like 50-something years old <laughs> with a bottle of wine. That's how. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but so they do their second encore or whatever. And Eddie Vedder comes out on the stage and he says, we were talking. Uh, I don't want to do it, Eddie Vedder, Vedder impression. We were talking backstage. I can't do it. Um, we were talking backstage. And we felt like we were playing for our family tonight. So we're going to do something we have never done before and are probably never going to do again. And they played um, Van Halen's Ain't Talking About Love. Damn, dude. Yeah. Which oh is, my God. And they're so like, we've cool. only ever played this at Soundcheck like a handful of times, but we want mm-hmm. to do it tonight. And then I saw them a couple years later, same venue, and they did it again. <laughs> they're like we remember that show so much we love that show so much do it. we gotta bring it back dude see and that feeling I mean when that is like occurring I mean you could probably you could take some type of electric meter and like you could measure the fucking power in that building you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I mean there's just so many one one last example mm-hmm. that I'll give you and because there's like five floating in my head but one last example. I went to go see Wu Tang at uh, Hammerstein Ballroom. That's great. And it w- and this was we had talked a little bit before going live about my fear of tall buildings. Yes. And now living in New York and immersion therapy's gotten me through it. But I saw <laughs> yes. them before I had moved here. Um. And so you know, Hammerstein Ballroom <laughs> is in Midtown. Yeah. Right below like one Penn Plaza, Empire State Buildings down the street, and I'm yeah. like. No, no, no. And the line is round the block to get into this concert. Sure. So me and right. my two friends are like, or I'm like, Ooh, and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, my tall building thing is like going off the charts right now. And so <laughs> we wait in line. We finally get in. You know, it's not a seated. We're in the, we're in the pit. We're in the, on the floor and there's a balcony. But it was two, maybe three hours beyond their start time. Really? That we were waiting. Oh, man. And we connected with these two guys that were right next to us who had seen them, like, I think they said 45 times or something like that. And they said, yeah, this is normal. They do that all the time. <laughs> They're always three hours late. <laughs> they do this all the time. And, like, you know, it's, it's Wu-Tang, so we're all smoking. We're all having a good time. Of course. And they finally come out. And, oh, my God, it was incredible. Like, Method Man went out and was walking on people's hands. Like, he, he actually – his feet were in people's hands and he was walking on top of the crowd. And we were close enough that he fell at one point and his feet were like this from my face. <laughs> I was like, that's man, the man right there. Holy shit. And, um, and then at one point it was, uh, it was Raekwon's birthday. And so Erica Badu was in the house and just came on stage to sing, yes. uh, happy birthday to Raekwon. Oh my God, man. Come yeah. on, that's a priceless experience. It was, yeah, absolutely. Damn. Um, as much as the you know events of the night 
would have me maybe not remember it. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I remember right. it. Yeah, <laughs> it was great, oh. dude. And not for nothing, but it's like I do wonder. Uh, and you know, maybe this is narcissistic, but I do wonder what that feels like to, you know, let's say make an audience that's dying to see you wait two hours and then you come, then you walk out and it's like, boom, like the place has to go a little crazy, extra crazy. Maybe, uh, maybe that's not the best example, but, (laughs) but even like you go to see a band you really wanted to see and you, and you're you're Volpeck and you're just these weird dudes from Michigan and you walk out on stage on Madison Square Garden and it's sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to be an intoxicating feeling. You know, I I can't say that I've ever had anything that really that close to that. So, but having just Me a neither. taste. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like there are so few people that have. Yes, true, in our defense. But, you know, you're a performer, I'm a performer we do get that in jolts. We do have that small feeling. That is true. You know, and sometimes large, like to us, it's large. If we go out to, you know, a hundred people, that's like, Whoa, Holy cow. How did a hundred people show up to this? And to fill Madison square garden and walk out on stage and have them singing the baseline, not (laughs) singing the lyrics, singing the baseline to you. <laughs> that is uh that's wild man that has to be so crazy that leads me to my next question man which is like um what was it would you say that first uh compelled you to do art in whatever form that you first did it the you kid or what have you or like some of the earliest influences what were like the things that made you want to be like i'm gonna i'm gonna try this i'm gonna do this yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, w- I was a very shy, anxious kid. And so I kept to myself a whole lot. And to keep myself busy, I like to do a lot of drawing, doodling and drawing and stuff like that. So that was kind of like my first uh, art. I also was, I really wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. And so I got really into movies and like quoting movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think really what set me on to like a serious artistry, serious artistry was um, around middle school, my uncle uh, is a guitarist as well, and he just happened to be visiting, and he's like, you know what, let's go get you a guitar. And That's a great uncle right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to a pawn shop, got like a $60 knockoff guitar. What kind of guitar was it, do you remember? Ooh. Um, Maybe Epiphone, a Squire? No, not even. Not a even. Y- a Yamaha? <laughs> oh, no, I love, I love me a Yamaha. But, um, I got one right here. I got a bass right there, Yamaha. <laughs> Love it to death. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you, but it was it's like a name a, I can't, I've never seen again. Yeah, I know right. it was the name I've never seen again. Yeah. And it was one of those things where he showed me a few chords and I just took to it. I just started playing them. Like, you know, sometimes you'll sit down as someone who plays guitar, you know, that at some point in your life, somebody's going to say, teach me something. Mm-hmm. And you'll sit them down, or if you've done lessons at all, you'll mm-hmm. sit them down and you'll show them like a G chord or an yep. E minor chord. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the easy ones. The E minor. <laughs> yes. You're on your way. So um, <laughs> e minor, A minor. You can just go back and forth back all and day. Forth. It's sad. It's melodramatic. <laughs> it's amazing. You're going to love it. Sing all your troubles away. Um, <laughs> 
but I took to it, and so he started teaching me, and that's really kind of like my biggest inspiration was my uncle to start. And then my family was really supportive of me p picking up music. Um, like my dad, I had originally wanted to play drums when I was a little kid. Mm. And you know, no parent's going to be like, oh, you, you have a passion for drums? Oh. Let's get you a drum set. The loudest <laughs> instrument of all the instruments? <laughs> it's like, no, here's like a drum pad. If you can go through school and play on the drum pad. And go. I was like, not having it. I'm like, yeah. I'm a rock star, Dad. You don't need to do that to me. Um, I want to smash stuff. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, if you take to the, if you actually improve and show me that you're serious about the guitar, I'll buy you an electric guitar. And so he, I did, and he did, and it all blew up from there. Mm -hmm. um, but really, like, early influences, you know, we talked Pearl Jam. Like, grunge was a huge influence on me, that catharticness, that mm -hmm. real catharsis of playing these chords just as hard as you can and not caring how eloquent it sounds when you're singing and just letting it go. Mm -hmm. um, that was really appealing to me. And that's kind of like my first artistic expression was in that vein in kind of like a, a punk or grunge type of, um, type of vein. Mm -hmm. Now, and then when did you, cause you and I met doing comedy, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think very quickly we kind of found out we're, we're musicians also. Um, so, so with regard to like COVID, now again, your uh, brand new album "Faces on Trees" available on Spotify and all the streaming platforms. Um, what was <clears throat> like? What was the impetus for that album? Yeah. Because uh, it's really dope, man. By the Thank way, thank you, thank you. I but appreciate it's, it. It's a serious project, man. It sounds super legit. It's very like super layered and everything. Like that's not because I know that before you were doing G's, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A kind of comedy uh, duo was a duo. You and yeah, a yeah. Was right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, what made you like take on this project? Was it a kind of COVID-like project? Well, this particular project, yes. Um, I had always been doing stuff similar to what's on the album, in, in the layered kind of multi-genre, heady, vibey, cinematic sort of instrumental music mm. i had always been doing that pretty much since i was like 14 15 years old really when i when i first got like a tascam recorder and like i said my 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 dad was really supportive we weren't really you know wealthy growing up but he would for christmas and birthdays get me music equipment like so i got a tascam i eventually got a drum set i got a bass like these were things and also i bought my own once i started working and like just built up this big collection and had a home studio since I was like 13 or 14 years old. Dude, good for you. Wow, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's something that didn't really dawn on me until doing G's. How mm. much, this isn't normal. <laughs> 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 you know, the, people don't, like there's plenty of people who do have a similar path or, or experience, but it's not normal. Right. Um, but this particular album, these songs came from a place of pure feeling, creating. The, those steps um, because like I might have had a few tracks not songs but like tracks like a bass line or a beat or something like that before the pandemic but all of the full flesh songs came from me feeling a certain way and going 
I need to channel this into creativity. And at first that was comedy. I was still trying to do the comedy, even though the pandemic was going with the G stuff, but it felt like, I don't know if you've had this experience during COVID with comedy, but it doesn't feel as good. It feels like, why am I doing this? Ooh, I very much had that. Yeah. So you know what I'm, what I'm getting at, but so the, the musician in me started coming out more and more. And so I got really, really into production and learning production, but at the same time, push that down the road. I was like, I need to really feed this creative beast right now. Mm. And so if it was March and I was feeling anxious and I was feeling uncertain and I was feeling like, what the hell is going on? I know this isn't going to be a two week long thing. Like everybody was saying, I know that I'm like, you know what? Let me take the bass guitar and just bump, 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 bump and get it out and like frantically just put something down and then build on it. Mm. It was just a mood mood to create type of um, scenario. And so many of the songs on that album are actually me sitting down with one instrument or another and just feeling a certain way and letting it flow out of me through that instrument. And then, you know, some of them I did a little bit more tailoring afterwards because I'm like, I can't just have that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I can't Tink- just have that. You can tinker uh, with it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all of it was from that place. And I feel like uh, it's a very emotional album, even though there are no words. Yeah. It's, it's, there are parts of it that are really heavy, man. Yeah. I, all of it is really pretty. It feels like very, it does. It feels emotional. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going for and not even knowing it. So I didn't have this, you know, uh, uh, precognition to think of, I'm going to put together the, put together a song. That's this. That's right. this feeling. It just so happened that I am putting down, I'm making a lot of songs because one, I have a lot of free time now that I'm furloughed or in between job, whatever the case was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm feeling a lot. And if I don't do something yeah. about it, usually my release would be going out with friends or going to a concert or performing or, you know, walking through the park or doing all these things that I cannot do now. Can't do any of it. No. And sure, therapy helps, but there's that's not as cathartic, you know? So music has always been very much about that for me. Mm. Um, Being in bands, like, I've never been... I can always look at, like, points when I'm, like, content in my life. Content, content, there we go. Um, (laughs) And I can always tie it back to performing. I was performing a lot at that point. Mm. Or I was at least practicing a whole lot with other people at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these, these songs, I didn't think of that ahead of time. I just happened to be putting together music that kind of had a similar theme, mm. but not similar genre or sound. And I was like, how can I make these fit? And then it kind of dawned on me, well, these are all COVID related creativity, ex- creative expressions. And so that's why I kind of put it together like that. There was, there was a song, like if I put this out, you know, maybe six months ago or maybe even longer, there would have been songs on there from before COVID that mm-hmm. I've been sitting on for a while. Mm-hmm. And it just wouldn't have been as genuine. It just wouldn't have been. And there's some really ones that I really, really like that I'm like, oh, I wanted to put that on there, but it's not. <laughs> 
it's not from this place. Yeah, right. Um, and so those may make it out sometime soon in case you're looking for a Faces on Trees 2. Is that uh, so? <laughs> wink, 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 wink. Um, <laughs> but also this is the first time that I'm doing a, an album that is not either myself as Ben Tomasetti mm-hmm. or in a band in which I'm just a member of. Right. This is me, but I'm putting it out as Faces on Trees. That's yeah. the artist's name. I wanted to... That's great, man. Have it be separated a little bit just because it feels different from me just putting out music. And I kind of love the way it came together and I want to harness that and I want to keep making music like this. Mm. Well, that's such a fascinating way to write also, man, that um, you almost have one of the things that I have always kind of disliked about music, uh, excuse me, disliked about the process of recording music. Mm. is it's almost the op it can be the opposite of what we were just talking about with concerts where it's like it's all about this moment and this kind of magic that's happening Mm -hmm. and recording music is like okay three two one don't fuck it up don't don't fuck it up go no no you messed it up no stop we have to start again like that is the exact opposite of, of what we were discussing before and that uh i think one of the things that's difficult about recording music is um, being able to harness the uh, the still like living quality. Of, you know, there are guys like that. Um, I think Pat Metheny was one of these guys where like, you know, he spent like two years making an album and made sure that every single note was exactly perfect in tune, exactly mm-hmm. on beat, all the 30 instruments that are on there. And it's like, <laughs> Okay, man, that seems more like math than music to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's difficult to capture that living quality, but that's such an interesting way to write or to compose when you're like, let him at least just start with that raw emotion mm-hmm. and then just kind of build it from there. Um, yeah, that's no, cool. I, I feel like they wrote themselves in a way mm-hmm. because of that, but I totally get what you mean. Like having worked in recording studios, having had a home studio, it's it can be a chore. It can be a real chore. Yeah. 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 Even yeah. when you're recording yourself. Like I know you've done a lot of, of recordings like from home. Yes. But even then, you're the producer of yourself. And so it's even worse. You're like beating yourself up. Yes. Yeah. Have you've had that experience? Yeah. And it's, you gotta run across the room and hit the record button and then run back, <laughs> back you know? <laughs> it's like one, two, three. No, no, the I wanted a double count in. Oh no. Um, no, it, it's to me, I, I've had a mixed uh, bag of experiences with the recordings. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you get a moment in the studio that you can't get live. Good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Where it's like, Whoa, where did that come from? Because you just did 50 takes and you're just beyond the song has transcended you thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you're just like, I'm going to try something different. And you just, and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. And, you know, you never would have done that if it were, all right, we just record, we're just going to play this song live over and over again. And when you play live, usually you want to play it the same or like improvise on some solos or fills or whatever. Right. But, um, but it's few and far between with that. Yeah. And that's why you see a lot of musicians and artists, you know, that fall into the the studio becoming like, kind of a party or drug zone 
which yeah, I'm not saying nor neither here nor there, but <laughs> it's it's to capture the moment. I feel like great I, point. You know, a lot of people are getting in there and you know doing whatever you know, drinking or snorting or whatever to mm -hmm. feel like, boom, I'm in a moment. Like it's an artificial moment, yes. but I, I'm in a moment over and over again. Like G's, G's, for example, was recorded almost primarily on Espelone tequila. <laughs> <laughs> if you could get the sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> so I know intimately how you can kind of try to cultivate that energy kind of, artificially in a way, but it's not the same. That's a great point, man. That, that has so much to do with, cause doesn't even alcohol, like it bring, it makes you a little more present at times, you know, mm. kind of not worried about the other stuff you got to do tomorrow. You're like here in the moment. Yeah. And let's that, have fun. Yeah. We're just doing, we're just in a recording session, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, many great records have been made under the influence of all sorts of substances. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, an anecdote just for the the album that I just put out. Most of it was just like emotional states of mind going into something, but one of them in particular, set and setting. Um, if if the uh, title hadn't clued you into what <laughs> frame of mind I was in recording it, yes, yes, you might be able to guess. Um, <laughs> so there was a psychedelic influence on there, and you know that. I, I don't want to, you know, condone that for anybody else, but for me, it was a very cathartic experience where I, it was May, 2020 and May, 2020 was a really, really hard month. Yeah. Like a year ago. Like what? I know. Right. It was, you know, you had a lot of, a lot of stuff culminating and I just felt really overwhelmed and I had a night to myself in the apartment. And so I set up the projector, put on some really like trippy underwater videos, set up my laptop, my keyboard, everything, and just record that song completely through. Every single bit of that song was recorded that night after dosing a little bit. That sounds like a blast, man. <laughs> it was. It was. And also like a kind of spiritual kind of thing. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's another thing that's gotten me kind of more spiritual throughout my life to kind of go back to the the first question is experimenting with psychedelics. And that's very much a thing that you go back to Native Americans, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's it's a thing that is recurrent throughout different cultures to get in touch with something higher than themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, that's definitely going to make somebody feel more spiritual and kind of get them in touch with something like that. And so for me, that's, definitely the case yeah i would agree man i mean in, in my experience is also like it, it, at the very least it's something to take you outside of yourself a little bit mm -hmm. to make you maybe think oh, there's something more than just my stupid job that i'm worried about you know or whatever it is yeah the rat race you know there's something more than that yeah that's definitely and, and, it. and, and that's like the the floor the ceiling is like i'm one with the universe and everything is okay <laughs> yeah, total <laughs> ego loss yeah. yeah i've experienced that at times as well it was, it was quite nice actually <laughs> yeah it's it's scary but like if you if you just hold on that's all you gotta do you just gotta hold on and experience it it's Great. putting yourself in the back seat and letting it take you where it takes you 
which again is kind of can be a life principle as well. I mean, mm. this is like the the uh, we're supposed to be like water. You know, the the mm. Buddhist first realization is that all life involves suffering. So you kind of at times got to pick up your legs and float downstream. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned like catharsis too. That in, in some ways, uh, in a lot of ways, I feel very fortunate that I do have music. Mm. somewhere somewhere in an old notebook i had old like little adages to myself and one of them was sing your problems away and um it's something that i keep in mind that like if i'm feeling weird or feeling stressed or whatever just pick up the guitar and play it for 20 minutes and let whatever is in here like it's almost like the, the, it's an instrument to let some of that stuff out mm-hmm. um and I think there are a number of activities that a person can do to uh, to experience that kind of catharsis. But I have often thought that I'm so fortunate to have an outlet like music um, to be able to take some of that stuff that's inside my head and just let it fall out. Um, and it doesn't even have to be good or uh, it doesn't I don't have to be too critical about it. Mm-hmm. It's just a place to put it, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really is. It really is. Yeah, and, and that's also a turning point just as a musician as well, I think. Like, I don't have you ever had like the point where you're making music for somebody else, like for an audience, and then, oh no, I'm making music for me now, and that switch turns? I have experienced that, yes. And, it's uh, a tricky one. It's a tricky one. It is. It is. Because <laughs> you're always like, especially now with social media and I know it. with, you know, influencers and all this stuff, you're like, at least I know I'm always super conscious of how are people going to take this? Yes. How are people going to receive this? Yes. Uh, but you kind of got to let it go. And, and for me, that was a huge thing with, with this album, but also with G's and with really any music that I've released is releasing it. Yeah, I know it. I have suffered from that same thing, man. Yeah. How many songs do you have just sitting on, on your computer? So many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no, they're not good enough. Or like people won't like them. You know, I, a couple of weeks ago I had uh, Paige Highmark on and we were talking about like the social media influence. You would assume that social media, oh, it's a great way to reach fans and you can, it's a marketplace of ideas and it's great for artists and you can just put your stuff up there and you see what happens and you get feedback and stuff. And that is true to a certain extent. But also I feel like I go through waves with posting on social media where like I feel motivated about it and then mm-hmm. I start to post a bunch and then I'd like see diminishing returns and I get frustrated and I'm like, you know what? Forget it. And then I don't post anything for three months. And Paige said something I thought was very true. She was like, you know, I would be lying if I said that there weren't times where while creating the art, I'm thinking, well, how is this going to be? And that's a bad spot to be in, you know? Yeah, no, I, it, it really takes away. And, I can't tell you how many times I've started something and that thought creeps in and kills it. I know it, man. Kills the whole vibe, kills the whole thing. I know. And, and it's really prevalent and it's like, I totally agree. Yes. Social media is a great tool. You can connect to a lot of people. You can gain fans. You can get exposure. But as an artist, 
this used to be somebody else's job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that used to be somebody Can I get a guy in here who could maybe do this stuff for me? <laughs> yeah, and and now as an artist, you're the you're the writer, you're the creator, you're the instrumentalist, you're the producer, you're Yeah, true. But then you have to totally switch to the marketing, to the PR, to the publishing, to all this stuff that isn't intuitive to a lot of people. It's not intuitive to me. I am learning it on this, really. This is like as much me learning how to do these things, how to get on Spotify playlists, how to submit to different review sites. And those things are so tedious and so like they rail against the creative aspect of it. Yes. And they're kind of soul crushing. Yes. <laughs> As if I didn't already have to have a job to live. That's usually right. soul crushing because of capitalism. That's correct. But then I have this outlet, but I want that to become something bigger than just a hobby. So I, I want to expose it, but then I have to crush my soul even more mm -hmm. to do it. And some people are okay with that. Some people, it just comes naturally. Um, and some people it doesn't. And I feel like a lot of artists are sensitive and if you put something out there and nobody responds or you had an idea of what was going to be the response and it wasn't that, then it's going to turn you off to the whole thing. I know it, man. Um, very well said. And uh, I will say that being all that being said, I was very impressed with your promotion of your album. I thought you were so consistent. So many good posts, well-timed things. You're in the stories there. Bravo, sir. I was watching it with tears in my eyes. Like, dude, he's fucking nailing it. He's nailing it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not gonna stop you. I'm 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 taking it slower now since it's out, but I'm I'm right. trying to get a lot of ears on it, as many as possible, because I'm really proud Good for of you, it. Dude. You yeah. should be. You should Thank be. you. Uh yeah, highly recommended to the content content faithful to check out Faces on Trees. Um, all right, Ben. This will be my, I suppose, last question. Which is my favorite question, which is, um, is there a time or a moment, a series of moments um, that you have experienced in your life that you would consider to be particularly spiritual or religious? Um, and the, the reason I am fascinated by this question uh, primarily is because um, yeah, I think in modern America, we have lost our sense of religion. I mean, like we said at the beginning, like, uh, we don't have the framework of, of, of what religion is or what, a, how to categorize a sort of inexplicable, uh, uh, synchronous moment. Mm. And yet I find like when I ask people this question, they generally have, oh, actually there was this time. And, and it, this is a very broad question, too. It doesn't have to be like, I saw a light and I changed the whole, you know. Um, it can be just a series of odd coincidences that uh, you gleaned some kind of meaning from. Mm. Um, is there anything that jumps to mind when I ask you that? You know, we've talked a lot about concerts. I feel like at many of these concerts, I kind of feel a spiritual sort of awakening at the better concerts where it's like, Oh, hold on a second. I'm floating. Like, I feel like I've, I'm literally floating over the crowd to watch this band. Mm. Um, but other than that, you know, there's, 
there's a few times in my life, and it's usually because of the setting, but where I've actually felt some spirituality like coming up. And you know, it's it's traveling. I feel like going to. I went to Italy when I was younger, and going to a lot of the um, churches and temples and things like that. It does a It sort of arises a an awareness. Um, so I, I can kind of point to that as like, oh, hold on a second. Especially because I went with a lot of people that were religious and were doing the things that you would do when visiting the Vatican or whatever. And I'm just kind of bopping along. Um, so it, that really helped me explore a little bit more. Um, but then I also went to India a few years ago for uh, really? a friend's wedding. Yeah. So cool. And we went to Goa. And, you know, India is a, is a country of many religions. Um, and one of the things about Goa is it was a kind of a Portuguese settlement, so to speak, or colony, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so there were a lot of churches, a lot of Christian or Catholic churches. And having been to Italy and then going to India and seeing the same sort of thing, that kind of, it gave me a really um, distinct feeling of, oh, this is like consistently the same feeling I felt over there coming in here. So while I hadn't been to church very much when I was younger and don't really intend to, to be honest, (laughs) visiting those sacred places does, like I said, heighten your awareness of that. And so those are are kind of the things that come to mind. Nothing Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know what? I sped in my car and spun out and nobody hit me somehow. <laughs> right. That did happen, but I didn't immediately think, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know? <laughs> but really more of like the the contemplative stuff, more of the I'm here and this sort of feeling is is in me now in India, in Goa, where I was in the Vatican and felt the same thing. Mm-hmm. And those are two totally different cultures, very far away from each other, and they kind of brought up the same feeling in me. I think that's fascinating, man. And and it kind of even circles back to what we were saying about this feeling of connection, this feeling of like a rise of energy mm-hmm. that like, isn't it bizarre? Like even being around Brooklyn or really almost kind of anywhere you go, there's churches all over the place. And, you know, obviously at one time there were necess- it was necessary to have that many churches. I think we mm-hmm. can say with uh, <laughs> certainty now it's they're not there. We don't need that many. No. Um, but still, like uh, even just you could be the least religious person, but just to walk into a old church with the stained glass windows and stuff like you can almost feel the generations of uh, energy that that and like this. Uh, space that people have set aside mm. to be kind of contemplative uh, contemplative um, that is fascinating though that like uh, yeah it's it wasn't about necessarily the, the geography as much as it was like in this culture they've chiseled out this area mm-hmm. um, and yeah I do think that's a thing you can feel absolutely because it was a distinct feeling from going to you know like um agra fort or something like that and seeing you know a totally different type of of temple but it's yeah it's really hard to explain and i think that difficulty to explain it is sort of i guess uh 
amalgamated with that sort of spirituality. Yeah, the, it's the, the ineffable, the unspeakable. Mm -hmm. It's like that's why it's so cool. Is it's really difficult to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for uh, that answer, Ben. And uh, let me throw this up right quick. All right, Ben. This was fantastic, good sir. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Um, as always, well, first off, if there's a Faces on Trees too, you're going to have to come back. <laughs> I will. <laughs> but I would say even if there's not a Faces on Trees too, I would like you to come back on the show. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've, I've had such a great time both times coming on, and, and it's always a distinct honor and pleasure. So you let me know. <laughs> well, uh, too kind. Too, uh, too, too kind words for you to say, good sir. Um, yes, thank you to Ben. Uh, check out Faces on Trees on Spotify and all your platforms. It's a kick-ass album. I really, really do highly recommend it. Um, Erica jumping in here at the end saying, thank you, Ben, for sharing your beautiful stories. I tend to agree with Erica there. Uh, Mike and I will be back on Sunday. Ben, you and I can chat a little bit afterwards, but I'm going to say goodbye to the good folks here. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Content Content. I'll also put Ben's album in the, uh, in the notes, in the comments, um, so you can just click right in there. Um, and we will talk 